20 years ago, I was injured on the job, which left me with a severe permanent disability. It forced me to discover my true passion and purpose. It wasn't until I started my direct sales business and later became one of the company's gratitude ambassadors that I realized I am a giver, a humanitarian, a cheerleader, and have a deep desire to inspire others. I had no idea it was possible to have a bigger impact until I launched my podcast to inspire others to live their passion, reclaim their purpose, and be open to so many possibilities. I am your host, Candace Snyder, and this is the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. Well, we are back with another episode of Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities. And I'm excited because my guest today is Summer Davies. Summer is an award-winning leadership development expert with over 15 years of experience. She helps burgeoning leaders develop the mindset and tactical skills to lead with impact, confidence, empowerment, and a genuine love for what they do. As a lifelong equestrian, beekeeper, and subpar snowboarder, Summer brings a unique perspective and sense of urgency to leadership development conversations. Based in Parker, Colorado, she lives with her husband and two beautiful daughters, and together they love to travel, explore local breweries, and indulge in their passion for food trucks. And we're going to learn about Summer's inspiring journey. From unexpected leadership to a passion-driven career in coaching and empowering others to become the leaders they aspire to be. Welcome, Summer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited for you to be here. And now we have this connection of Colorado because I told you in another conversation that one of my sons lives there. So I think this is really cool. So you have so many things that you love to do, you know, from being an equestrian and the beekeeping and snowboarding and all these outdoor activities. But I know you have this story of what led you to go in a different direction from what you originally thought your path was going to be. So maybe you can share with us that backstory. Yeah, absolutely. So the funny thing is, I say all the time that I think my story is really unusual and and unique. And the truth is, especially in the leadership space, I actually know almost nobody who went to university thinking, I'm going to be a leadership coach. Like, we didn't know what that was. And when we're really young, I think it's hard to know what's going to light you up for the rest of adulthood, because you don't know a whole lot about what you don't know. So maybe my story is not that unique. But Um, I grew up riding horses. That's been my passion all of my life. And I was absolutely certain when I was young that that's what I was going to do with my career. When I found out that I could go to college and get a degree in equine sciences, like there was no question or discussion about any other option. That's what I was going to do. I was going to go. I was going to be a racehorse breeder. I was super passionate and still love racehorses. And that's that's really where I wanted to to spend the rest of my life. So I went to college, I was super active, and I was really lucky to get a job right after graduation working on a racehorse breeding farm. And I thought, this is it. My the 
Everything is falling into place in it. 21 years old. I've got it all figured out, right? Well, I didn't. Um, and I, I got there and it didn't take me very long to realize that transitioning something that I loved in the way that I love horses to my profession did not give me the degree of satisfaction that I wanted. And that combined with that, I was making like no money at all. Um, and was really struggling financially as a young person, which was not meeting the expectations that I had. I started to think like, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be, which was kind of a watershed moment for me at the start of my career to think, uh, oh, I need, I might need to do something different. And there were some big warning signs to me, things like I would come home from work and my horse luckily got to live on the property where I was living. And the last thing I wanted to do was ride her. And the things that I loved about being around horses were starting to not be um, enjoyable anymore. So I, I made a decision to try something different and um, was kind of just searching. I took a job. I didn't love it. And I, I did what I think young people do when they're searching for purpose, or at least I did. Um, I went and got a puppy thinking this will give me <laughs> clarity. And um, I, I took my little puppy into a veterinary hospital for his you know puppy visits and everything. And I interestingly did not have a great experience at that veterinary hospital. Clearly I'm super passionate about animals. I ended up pulling a completely stereotypical move and talking to the manager and saying, you know, this is what I think about the experience I've had and how animals should be treated. And he actually said to me, you know, I, I agree. And I'm looking for people who have a similar view about how animals should be treated. Do you want a job? And I was young. I was kind of searching for something that would, would fit for me. And and I just said, yes, really not knowing what I was agreeing to. So I I signed up for this job. Turns out they're going to have me run this veterinary hospital as the manager of the hospital. So I, I rock up on the first day and I look around and I realize I'm in charge of the scheduling and the technicians and the receptionists in a, in a really big way. I'm in charge of the veterinarians and I have absolutely no clue how to do any of this stuff, let alone the most important part, which is lead people. And, um, and so it was a hot mess working in my hospital was a disaster and my hospital was a disaster. People were quitting left and right. We were financially unsuccessful Uh, you know, you could just feel it when you walked into the building, people weren't happy to be there. And I had a, I had a real bit of clarity that there was a problem and the problem was probably me. Um, but I didn't know why or what to do about it. I didn't have any resources at my disposal. I'd kind of just been dropped in to do this. And looking back, I hadn't really made a clear decision that I was leading people on purpose, that I was in a role leading people intentionally. I just kind of said yes, because it was the next opportunity in front of me, which I think is what a lot of people do. I think a lot of people just say yes, which is great. Say yes to opportunities, but they don't really think about this opportunity comes with the lives of other people in my hands. And, And I hadn't had that level of thought. So uh, luckily, I was able to to do some things to figure it out and found leadership development through that process and started to improve and evolve um, within the hospital and and found that it made an enormous difference. And so I ended up making a career out of that. Wow, that's really, I find this really interesting, this path 
You know, this is not like the normal path that you hear people take. And um, something that you said made me think what about your purpose and leading. So yes, to opportunities. And then a lot of times we say, okay, I'll figure it out as I go along, right? But do we ever stop to say, well, why am I doing this? And what truly is my purpose? And what am I bringing to the people that I now have to lead? Because in, especially in your situation where you have this big veterinary hospital and you had all these people that you're now quote in charge of, uh, and you were so young too. So of course, you know, as we go through our path, we get more experience. So it's not like you had experience to draw on really. So what was the light bulb moment that made you say, uh, what's the, my purpose here and why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, so I knew, I knew things were off and I think a lot of people can relate to this, right? You walk into work and you just, you can feel it. Maybe you can't put your finger on it, but there's just that feeling kind of in your gut that tells you, I'm not super happy to be here. And my interactions with others just aren't hitting the level of intentionality or connection that I'd like to have. And maybe you don't physically walk into work. Maybe today we're zooming into work or something, but you just know, right? Like you just know that there's something off. And then sometimes something really big happens. And that's what happened for me. So I was walking out to lunch one day and I had a new hire veterinarian who had recently joined the team. Now, most people know that being a veterinarian is a really hard gig, but many people may not truly appreciate how hard it is to become a veterinarian. You know, these folks have to have absolutely top grades coming out of high school, coming out of undergraduate. Um, and then vet school is brutal. It's really, really hard because like a medical doctor, right, they've got to learn really complex things, but they have to learn it on all the species. Medical doctors, human doctors learn it on one right? So veterinary school is really, really challenging. And so people who've become a new veterinarian have done so hopefully really intentionally. They've got a lot of passion for the profession and they've come in really intentionally. So when you have a new hire, they hopefully come with that enthusiasm of like, okay, I've made it to the top of the mountain and I'm here. And she came that way too. And I noticed over a few weeks, she had started to lose that light and was starting to kind of fade. And this one day I happened to be walking out to my car for lunch and I notice she is sitting in her car and she's crying. Like not like a little cry, like maybe I just finished a sad book or something, but she is like big, ugly crying in her car. And so she walks back in after lunch and I pull her aside and I say, Hey doc, you know, I saw you in the car. What's going on? Are you okay? What's happened? I'm thinking, you know, something tragic has happened in her family and she looked right at me and said, I hate working here. I hate coming into work every day and I'm miserable. And you could just tell like it was genuinely true. And I knew that that was that that was the truth that she was having just this horrible moment where she'd worked so hard to get here. And now she's miserable coming into work. And that was the watershed moment for me. Up until then, I'd known eh, things aren't perfect and I'm kind of figuring out as I go. And that moment was this moment is when we need to fix this. I, you know, I've got to, I've got to sort this out right now because I've got somebody who is feeling this way about having worked so hard to get here. And she's feeling like she needs to just sob in her car 
because she works for me. And that's not acceptable to me. And so I did what you do in the mid 2000s, which dates me a little bit. Um, I went to a Barnes and Noble and I I just started looking around for a solution. I, you know, the internet wasn't a huge thing back then. So you might not have searched the internet, but I kind of wandered around Barnes and Noble. I ended up in the leadership section. I wasn't really looking for that. I picked up a book about leadership. Um, I flipped through it, read some of the concepts, went back to the hospital, tried it over a couple of weeks and everything wasn't perfect overnight, but it got better. It got a little bit better. And so I continued to try to explore that and build on that. And I, I realized not only is this really cool and now all of a sudden people aren't crying in their car because they come to work for me, which is terrible. Um, but I really enjoy this. This is really interesting and cool. And a lot of the concepts that I loved about working with horses, like, you know, building progress over time, helping individuals figure out what they do best, working together as a team, all those things I love about working with horses. It was the exact same thing. It was just at work. So it kind of became this really cool connection. And, and that's, that's the turning point for me and for many leaders to say, okay, this isn't the way I want things to be. Which is great because somebody else might have just said, you know what, this, you could have said, you know, this isn't for me. I'm going to go find another job when in a better office or a, a better situation. And it would have just been like this cyclical thing. So basically you kind of stopped it in its tracks. And so what were some of the things that you decided to implement first to help change the attitude in the office to make people want to come to work again? Hmm. So this is one, and it was important for me then, and the science re research, everything that we have now really confirms that it is the starting place for folks to be able to turn their leadership into something really powerful and positive. And it's just having that conversation with yourself, maybe with some folks around you about, do I want to lead people? Is this something I actually want to do? I might want to move my career forward or make more money or whatever you want to do, but leading people and all those other things don't necessarily have to go hand in hand. So having that really powerful conversation to say, when I lead people, I am responsible for a great degree of their happiness. And we know now a great degree of their physical well-being. There's a lot of studies that show that your direct line manager has more impact over your physical health than your doctor does, which is a little bit scary. Um, I didn't really know that at the time, but I did know, you know, I've got a big impact on these people. They spend more time with me in this hospital or in your office or wherever than they will with their family and at home and all those things that we already know. So just getting clean with, do I want to lead people? Is that really something that I want to do? Or am I muddling that desire with the desire to, you know, elevate my career or whatever else might be motivating us? And so a lot of times, and for me, this was true. And a lot of times when I work with leaders now, it's it's about first having that conversation and making a decision. Yeah, I want to lead people. I didn't just take the next step that was available to me. So for me, that was a that was a really big one. And then answering the next natural natural question is why? Why do I want to lead people? Why does it matter to me to influence lives in this place? So for me, I, I've got a big love for animals. So it made a lot of sense to do it in a veterinary hospital. But for other people, it might be because you 
love the legal profession and you want to lead people in a legal office or you want to lead people in a marketing team or, or whatever, but understanding why it is that you want to do it and why you want to do it, where you're choosing to do it. Those are really, really powerful places to start. And then we start on all the cool skills and, and building the ability. But once you've got that clarity, it makes everything easier. Have you ever coached somebody that said, I don't know why I want to do this? I know I want to lead, but I don't really know why. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Actually, I hear that more often. Um, interesting what I get pretty often is really polished answers to that of, you know, stuff I can tell that they've worked on. Maybe they used in their interview. If I say, well, why do you want to lead people? They've got a beautifully polished answer. And um, a coach that I worked with a long time ago used to refer to it like coffee, right? Like coffee has that foam on the top. They've got a really foamy answer. They're not so great at getting to the coffee underneath and really getting to how does this connect to who you are as a person. So a lot of times coaching starts with, all right, give me all your froth and then let's get down into it. So often I find that and often I find people struggle and they may even buck against that a little bit because nobody's ever pushed them beyond the foamy answer. And to really look in, inside and say, as far as we know, because I don't want to ruffle feathers about people's religious beliefs, but as far as we know, we got this one shot on, on this planet, this one go, why is it that I want to spend this go doing this? You know, that's a, that's a tricky question to answer. And a lot of people don't ever get pushed to answer that. I, I agree with you because, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about you know, my own, my own father had so many jobs and he had leadership jobs, management jobs. And I'm like, did he ever really, is that ever what he really wanted to do? I mean, he's not with us anymore, but I'm like, so I can't even ask him, but, you know, having these conversations now, it makes me think like, I mean, he could have done something that he was more passionate about and, and had a, a bigger why, but it's sad to think that people are in roles that they don't really want to be in, especially leadership roles. And it does take a certain kind of person to step up or step into a leadership role. So what about somebody who is it was in a situation or is in a situation that you had been in where they're trying to fill the shoes, somebody leaves and there's this you know, kind of attitude in the uh, organization where, oh no, here we go again. Now we have a new leader. We have a new supervisor. What would be some tips that you would recommend or, uh, you know, something that you found helpful to step into a role that like you're the new, you're the newbie. Mm -hmm. And I think, so this happens, right. And Sometimes you're stepping into a role that doesn't have a whole lot of legacy around it, but very often folks are stepping into a role with legacy, whether that's positive legacy, the person who was in this role previously was the best ever, and you'll never be as good as that person. And so then there's kind of this always catching up situation or there's negative legacy, like, oh my gosh, you're taking over a mess. And that sense of, oh, here we go again. Let's just wait to see how bad this next one is, right? People experience both of these dichotomies. And if you happen to be the leader in that seat, again, coming back to being able to articulate, yeah, I know that there's history here. Good history, bad history, no history, whatever. There's history here. 
here's here's why I've chosen to come into this role and here's what I hope to achieve in this role and being able to clearly articulate that not over and over again to the point that it is obnoxious but helping people understand that when you go to change something which you will inevitably do in a leadership role or you go to promote or remove someone or whatever it is you're doing being able to connect that to hey I my vision of success for this team, my vision of success for my purpose, the business, whatever. And this connects to this change I'm making, this decision I'm making, this thing I'm asking you to do can help somebody see that you're not just coming in willy nilly and you're here on accident. You're really being intentional about the changes or the um, the impact that you're having on the team. Whatever the situation, that seems to be really helpful for leaders. But again, you've got to have your feet on the ground about why am I here? And if you haven't answered that question around your purpose and you don't feel super comfortable with it, that makes it so much harder to be able to connect those 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 messages, those changes, whatever it is that you need to communicate to an intentional purpose. And so then you're just kind of floundering. And a lot of people find that they get comfortable in that floundering. And they just never answer that question. And so then they go through their whole career not having to do that and not recognizing the impact that that's having on the people around them or on their organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, what about for that person that doesn't, that's really lost? They don't know. They, I mean, where do you start? Where do you start when you're trying to pull this stuff, when you're talking about that coffee cup and you're trying to pull out what's underneath? And the reasons why that somebody wants to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different for everyone because everybody's going to connect to a different medium. There's a ton of great books out there written by brilliant authors that you can go out and read, like all the work from Simon Sinek, um, all the work from Shauna Kaur. There's brilliant bodies of work in this space that can help if that is a medium that connects to you. For some people, they've just got to take the time independently, like a book won't help them, a podcast won't help them. And just set that out and say, okay, can I answer this for myself? And if I can't, what helps me answer hard questions when I've got hard questions to answer? So for some people, it's journaling. For some people, it's prayer. For some people, it's exercise, right? You go for a big, long run and all of a sudden, oh, that's it, comes into your brain. So whatever it is for you. For me, right, like I ride my horse when I've got something really big, really hard to work through. I go have some time with him and I get that clarity. So you've got to be able to figure out what works for you. And if you don't know what works for you, that's a great place to start. If you can't say, this is what brings me clarity when I'm solving hard problems, go try a whole bunch of things. Go figure out what what is useful for you. That's a really good place to start. Don't try to push yourself and say, well, other people love journaling. So I'm just going to journal till I get it. Well, maybe try it. If it doesn't work, then try something else. But unfortunately, we live in an era where a lot of people are just so disconnected from what works for me, what brings me clarity, what gives me grounding. We just don't, a lot of people just don't have an answer to that question because we live in such a fast paced and disconnected world. So I really encourage people to take some time. I can promise you the answer is not on TikTok. You know, you're not going to find it in a reel somewhere. So try to disconnect a little bit and, and get into some of those things and answer some of those questions. I love that you shared this. Um, I, I, 
I know we're we're only audio when this episode comes out, but I was smiling and kind of smirking because it when you said about journaling, it made me think of my sister. My sister is a writer, but hates journaling. She's like, I hate it. I don't want anything to do with it. And so you do have to find the thing that, you know, connects for you, that makes you your brain relax so that you can find the clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so hard in, in the world we live in. It is really hard to do. So that's the that's the place to start if you're finding it's difficult to answer some of those questions. You know, this is why we'll, we'll, we will get to this in a little bit about purpose, you know, but it's so important to know what purpose is, like why you're, why you're in this role. Like we can have lots of different meanings of purpose and we can have more than one purpose in life. You know, we might have a purpose for, you know, our role with family, our role in business, maybe our role with our friends. And so there's nothing that says we can only have one. But if you're in a leadership role and you don't know what that is, it's it's kind of a scary place to be in because people are looking up to you. They think of you of, you know, this person that is their guiding light in a lot of ways. Um, And if you cannot find your guiding light, uh, how are you going to lead people, right? Mm -hmm. And they know, and we, you probably have experienced this. I'm sure your listeners have experienced this. If you're faking it, they may not know that you're faking it, but they know something's off. And that starts to erode trust in the relationships, starts to make everything harder. One of the examples around this that I give is is actually a horse example. So when I have new new folks who come around to ride or whatever, if they're scared, horses will pick up on that you're scared. And anybody, even if you're not a horse person, you know that this is the case, right? They pick up on fear and anxiety because they have the ability to hear your heartbeat. They know that you're breathing faster. They know that your eyes are racing. Like they pick up on all those things because they're prey animals, right? So they they have an innate ability to recognize if a predator in the room is scared. Often the reason you're scared is because you're scared of the horse. But the horse, because they're a prey animal, has no ability to comprehend in their brain that you are scared of them. So they have to assume that you are scared of something else. And so then they start to get scared and start to get jumpy. And that's when dangerous situations can happen. And this is true in leadership as well. If you are unconfident or ungrounded in your purpose and your people are able to start picking up on that, they're not going to assume that the problem is that you're having is with yourself. They're going to assume that the problem that you're having is with them because humans are innately self-centered. And so they will assume that if you're coming in ungrounded, uncentered, unhappy, that that is, at least to some degree, your fault. And then you start to get this crazy, cyclical, vicious cycle where people are assuming that there's something going on in the relationship that has to do with them if it really is just about you. Um, and so that is just a great example of, of where we we have that responsibility to get clean with it. Otherwise, we start creating all these ripple effects that are totally unintended and probably inaccurate, um, but really powerful. Mm, I love that. And that was a great uh, analogy <laughs> and uh, very relatable for people. So tell us about your program, your elevated leadership program. 
Yeah. So I've had the privilege to get to work, you know, after I, I made this decision that leadership development was was my jam. I pursued a career in it. And that gave me the opportunity to work with a lot of leaders globally. And I both worked hands-on in groups and in one-on-one settings, but also done a lot of research on leaders to be able to identify what is the red thread that creates a great leader? What is it that every great leader needs to have or do uh, in order to have that kind of powerful impact that we're looking for on their people. And I had a hypothesis initially going into some of this research after working with a lot of groups of leaders that there was probably not a really big list of things that every leader needed to have. And I also hypothesized that it wouldn't be very different across uh, functions, across job types, or across uh, cultures. So I got to do a lot of research on that. And It turns out to be that that is the case. There's lots of things leaders can do or some leaders do that others don't do that are that are wonderful. But there's a really small group of things that every leader absolutely has to be able to do in order to be effective. And then they can build on on that from there. So I built a program around those small list of skills to help leaders be able to build those in a really effective way. So, of course, the program starts with connecting to purpose. No surprise getting clear, getting clean on that, being able to articulate that so that all the other skills then build off of that grounded purpose. And then really just getting into those skills that are most important for absolutely every leader from your frontline leader to C-suite. So these are things like intentionally articulating, how do I add value? What skills do I need to use? Where do I spend my time? Things like, how do I prioritize my work? but also prioritize work for others in connection with organizational priorities. This is one you absolutely have to be able to do as a leader. And most folks struggle to transition from prioritization from self to prioritization for others, and then be able to delegate work once I'm clear on those priorities in a way that doesn't over or under manage people. The ability to give feedback, the ability to flex your style. These are the types of foundational skills that we really focus on in my program. The program is really designed for people at the beginning of their leadership journey with the premise that if we can get those foundational skills locked in at the beginning of someone's leadership journey, not only does everything become easier, but they instantly become more effective. And so many organizations struggle because they want to invest in leadership development, but it can be, doesn't have to be, but it can be expensive. And often we think if we invest, in our C-suite folks, that will trickle down. It's kind of a trickle down economics theory, right? That'll trickle down to your front lines. And every piece of research shows that is wildly inaccurate. Um, And so what happens is these people at the front lines of, of leadership or in the early stages of their leadership in organizations don't receive training soon enough or fast enough. And they just have to figure out these skills on their own. And if we can get to them a little bit earlier, it is so much more effective. So the program is entirely designed around making that more attainable for organizations of all sizes. I I was just thinking, you know, I know a lot of people that work for big corporations, uh, salespeople, marketing people, and, you know, my husband, my (laughs) ex-husband, and they never really had uh, training, leadership training. They were just pretty much thrown into it too. 
maybe there was a seminar here and there, maybe there was a trade show and there was a speaker, but there wasn't a program to say, here's some steps. And if you do this, it'll lead to this, to, to lead to this, so that you you become a better leader, you're more effective, and the people that work with you are happier. So I'm glad that we had this conversation because it's definitely eye-opening. Now, one of the things that you said was about spending, uh, where leaders spend their time. Mm-hmm. If you were to give one tip to help somebody, a leader who's feels that they're really scattered and they are not spending time on the right things. Do you have a tip? Mm-hmm. I do. Actually, I'm working with a leader right now and he's given me his permission to share. I'm not going to share his name, but I will share some of his story because he is battling this at the moment. Um, this is an individual who was previously an incredibly top performing individual contributor in his role, consistently the top, consistently recognized as the best, absolutely knows the ins and outs of every single process, procedure, everything that needs to get done in the office, right? Absolute rock star. Been promoted to manager and is finding it incredibly difficult because he's spending so much time, literally just so much time at work doing because that's what he's great at. And one of the things he's starting to notice is is people are demonstrating the behaviors you see in people who are overmanaged or who have micromanagers, which means he's probably being a micromanager and really well-intended guy, but he is so good at what he does or what his people are supposed to do. And he's so well-intended, he's trying to help them by doing it all for for them. And what he hasn't totally shifted in his mindset is how do I add value? What is my job now? I am no longer a doer. I am the leader and the enabler of the doers. And my responsibility is to enable these people to be better than I ever was when I was the rock star in the seat. And in doing that, we have so much more impact as a collective group than I ever had as an individual. And having that mindset shift around how do I add value and then making choices about where do you spend your time aligned with how do I add value? That's the that's the big shift and the big tip I would give folks. And the answer, unless it's a very unique situation, is never I add value by doing the thing. Finishing the job, filling out the form, what answering the question, whatever it is. If you're a leader, it might be helping somebody else learn how to do the thing, uh, encouraging someone to find their own way to solve the problem, do the project, whatever. But that is a big shift and it takes some time to get comfortable with that, especially if you were a rock star in in your individual contributor role and if you are really well-intended and really want to help. And shifting that from helping is by doing to helping is by teaching you, developing you, giving you the tools to do. That's a shift. Uh, And that's exactly what he's working through at the moment. And he has to really come back time and time again to how do I add value? How do I add value? Okay, how am I going to tackle this problem? So I I share that because this is this is not somebody who is struggling or or whatever. He's amazing manager and still has to keep coming back to that reminder to to get clean with this particular skill. That's that's hard. That's hard if if you're the doer and you're trying to uh, 
you know, delegate and have people learn these things on their own. And it made me think of kids, how often we do for our kids instead of letting them figure it out on their own. So it's a good lesson to learn, you know, when you're young. I mean, you can use, do this when you're young. It's going to translate, you know, as you get older and possibly into into that career that you might have down the road, right? I'm sure you see that with your kids because your kids are young. Oh my gosh. I actually just had a moment of this this morning. So we have chickens in our backyard. We They're so much fun. I highly recommend chickens as long as your HOA permits it. Um, and my daughters, they're seven and nine, and their responsibility is every morning to check the chickens, bring in any eggs that are there, make sure they've got food and make sure that they've got water. And the water bin for the chickens is pretty heavy when it's filled. And if it's empty, they need to get it from the coop, bring it inside the house, fill it up and carry it back out to the coop, which is across the yard. And this morning there's snow on the ground. It's winter here in Colorado. And, uh, my daughter was kind of fluffing at having to carry the big heavy water thing across, across the yard in the cold in the morning and everything else. And she was making some decisions about would she be in her school uniform or was she going to do the chickens in her pajamas? And I had lots of thoughts about how to do it. And one of those thoughts was it would just be faster and easier if I threw on my mucklucks and just did it myself, right? I could get it done in about two minutes. No problem. I could also tell her all the things that I think would be better about how she should tackle this task. But she's nine. She does not need me to do that. And while it was so painful for the type A part of my brain to watch her struggle through this, that's the lesson. That's the point in having the animals, right? So that they can learn how to have some husbandry skills. And if I did any of those things I wanted to do, which were all well-intended things, it would have taken away from her lesson. And as leaders, we have those same types of moments, right? Where you're like, oh, I think the project might turn out this way better if I just tell them it should be black and red on the branding instead of watching them pursue this branding, I think it's not going to work for the client or whatever. That's so hard to do. But as long as you know, we're in a safe situation, nobody's going to get hurt, right? There's not danger, which in some work settings there truly is. You got to be careful of that. But as long as that's the case, you might be surprised. And in the end, she got the water out to the chickens. She did not get chicken muck all over her uniform. And and it turned out to be fine, as hard as it was for me to take that step back. And it would be the same. I, I see leaders often say, oh my gosh, I see somebody taking this project in the wrong direction. My definition of wrong direction. And if you analyze through what's the reality of that situation, okay, we can let them take it. Maybe I'll give them a little bit of mentoring or whatever is appropriate. And then the outcome not at all what you would have defined, but within the parameters of success might actually be better. And that is, it's a proud moment, but it can also be a challenging moment if you had a picture of what the outcome would be and the process didn't follow what, what you might have done. That can be, that can be hard, but it's also a really proud moment as a leader. I love that. So tell us how our listeners can reach out to you and get in touch with you couple of ways. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I try to share um, leadership insights and different things that come up as I'm as I'm working with leaders. So feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. If that's useful, we'll make sure you guys have the link. And then my website is available. Um, make sure we've got the link in there as well. But 
it's a great place to see about current offerings. The program that I mentioned is outlined there. So if you want more details on that program, and then I regularly try to put up resources on my website, free downloadable resources that you can use to assess your leadership style or implement some additional tools or that sort of thing. So it's a great place to go and see what, what is up at the moment. Great. And yes, definitely all of your links will be in the show notes. And I encourage people to go check out your website because, you know, you have some top notch tips and tricks and information that can definitely help anybody, whether you're in a leadership role, you're thinking about a leadership role, or I'm sure that a lot of these can be applied to any relationship too. So uh, definitely check it out. Yeah, personal relationships generally follow similar rules. And my encouragement would be whether you check out what I have to offer or you go find somebody else who resonates with you. If you're in a leadership role, you know, pursue those tools and continue to, to lean into development in a way that works for you because it is so important and so often something that's left uh, till too late. So my encouragement is no matter where you get it, go get some development. Yeah, and you're going to feel better and you're going to love your job more. <laughs> so who doesn't want that? Kindness looks good on everyone. And that's why the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities podcast has partnered with The Kindness Cause, a creatively curated online shopping experience of fashion-forward gifts that donate to nonprofit organizations to help you shop with purpose and donate in style. Together, our mission is to spread kindness, give back, and empower individuals to pursue their dreams through our exclusive line of inspirational merchandise that not only uplifts your spirits, but also gives back to those in need. Every purchase donates to a charitable nonprofit organization. To see this exclusive line, make a purchase, and support a cause, head over to the show notes for the direct link. Okay, so I have to ask you the three P questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, the first one is, what is something you're passionate about that people might not know about you? I am deeply passionate about my bees. I know you mentioned at the beginning I'm a beekeeper. Uh, we've been keeping bees for a number of years, and I think that bees are such a deeply misunderstood species. People are scared of them. They think they're going to sting you. They might, um, but they are so cool. So I would say if you have any interest in bees and understanding how the teeniest insect just absolutely holds up our whole food source and food system, um, I would say go go look into that. And it's a great metaphor for life and leadership and family and, and all those types of things. So most people wouldn't know that bees are my jam. Uh, I need to look up and find out more about this. But what made you decide to be a beekeeper? Um, it was really interesting. Our little town had a honey festival and they had passionate beekeepers show up at the honey festival. And I was just chatting to them and they were like so passionate about these little insects. I was thinking, what in the world is it that you're so excited? I mean, I'm, I like honey as much as the next guy, but what's the story and just starting to understand how intricate they are and how important they are to our ecosystem. And as most people know, they have 
enormous risks to their survival at the moment because of the way we um, the way we grow food, especially in the United States. It just seemed like such a, a powerful way to do just a little bit to help out, right? Like I can't I can't do anything about the amount of pesticides I get put on our food, really, but I can do this little thing. And it seemed like such a an, an approachable way to do a little thing that felt like it was useful to our world. Very cool. I love this. <laughs> okay. What is your definition of purpose? So I'm going to steal this from somebody else and I need to look up who actually said it because I've heard this quote credited to a number of different people and I'm sure they all didn't invent it. But the the definition of success could be that at the end of your life, if you go to heaven, you look in a mirror and you get to see you having achieved everything inside you, having having realized all of your potential. That would be heaven and you would be looking at yourself, looking back at you. And hell would be looking at the same thing and knowing you didn't achieve that. And to me, purpose is about understanding what does that look like and why does it matter to me and how am I aligning the steps I'm taking in my life to that picture? Not anybody else's, not the Pinterest moms and everything else that can be really impactful, but just thinking about if I were to look at the true actualization of my potential, would I be looking at me? And to me, that's purpose. I love this. That's a good one, Summer. I haven't heard, I haven't heard anybody say that yet. Nobody's talked about this at all. So this is really cool. Is there a possibility, a dream, or a vision you have that hasn't come to fruition yet? Yes. And I think that that really aligns with the work that I'm doing now. I, I dream that everyone wakes up in the morning and is excited to do what they do every day, that they feel that their, their work matters and that they're good at it. And I think we're pretty far from that as a society today. So I probably can't change that for the whole world. I mean, I hope I've got a lot of years left to live. So maybe, but at the moment, hopefully I'm creating that for some of the leaders who work with me and then also for my family and community to help them realize whatever it is that you want to do or you are choosing to do, that that is valuable and meaningful and you feel like there's purpose and satisfaction in that. And you mentioned your dad. I think anybody can think about many people that they know who could who could say, I don't feel that. I've never felt that. And if we can shift that just a little bit as a as a society, as a world, I know that sounds really lofty. Oh, I think it would solve a lot of problems. I think it would make a much happier place. But it takes people like you and other people that think like you and myself, because I'm about this too. If we have to keep going, we have to keep sharing like what our mission and purpose is and, and the fact that there's so much possibility out there. And hopefully the more people we talk to and those people talk to more people, we will have that ripple effect. and. It, it will be a better world, but we can't stop. I mean, if we stop, I mean, that's not going to help anything. So we have to keep going. I think so. And I, you know, I'm really motivated by so many people doing great work in this space. I'm going to reference my daughter again. She's currently um, memorizing the Gettysburg Address. And every time she says those words, which are so many years old, it just gives me that little flutter of, 
there were people who've been believing that you can be anything, you can do anything with your life. That is the American experiment. And I would love to continue to be a part of making that be true, um, at least in my little slice of the world. Oh, this was great, Summer. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. It was a great conversation and you shared so much. And I know that it's going to help people be better leaders and think about their purpose and why they are in the leadership role. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please submit a rating and review and share with a friend. This helps us reach more listeners so we can make a bigger impact. From time to time, we share our reviews live on our episode. Your review could be the next one we share. Please head on over to our website, passionpurposeandpossibilities.co to receive a free gift I am waiting for you. And if you heard something today that truly inspired you, I would love to hear about it. You can email me at Candice Snyder at Passion purpose and possibilities.co. Thank you again for listening.